0: here, if you're
1: here in person, if you're online, we're also excited that you are uh, tuning in with us. Um, I can officially say Merry Christmas, even though that outside it doesn't look like Merry Christmas at all, but hopefully hopefully that changes pretty quickly. A couple of announcements. Um, number one, it is Common Ground this week, so on Thursday at 6.30 downstairs, ladies, if you want to um, join um, Lisa Miller is hosting Common Ground downstairs, so I think that'll be that'll be great. There's also um, Zoom, so you can if you can't be there in person, you can still get there online. Also, uh, there's a children's program next week, Sunday, the 20th, and that'll be at 10:30. It'll be right here, so you can just come back after um, after church, go get some coffee, come back. So that'll be next week at 10:30. Um, and then finally, if you want to, um, we have Christmas gifts for missionaries. So every year we take some money, and that money um, goes to missionaries for, as a Christmas gift. There's an envelope in the back that you can, you can have um, to do that. We need them by tomorrow if you want to do that. We're trying to get them out so they can get it before Christmas Day Um, So yeah, if you want to do that, you can do that. I'm turning it over to Eric.
2: Thank you, Ian. And I'd like to welcome you also to our worship service on behalf of the worship team. We see our job is to help you come into the presence of the Lord and worship him today. Today we're going to celebrate and remember two things about Jesus. The beginning of his life, that's Advent, Christmas, and... His death and resurrection, which was the whole reason that he came. We're going to celebrate communion today as well. So to begin and to prepare ourselves for that worship experience, let me read to you a little bit of the book of Luke that you will hear again. Pastor Tim will probably read this again since he's preaching out of this passage. But let me just read the first few verses. Then John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. So let us uh, stand, if you're able, and let's begin by celebrating this song that celebrates the fact that the people of God were looking forward to his arrival for a long, long time. TV series, The Chosen, and for those of you that might not have been here three weeks ago, let me just give a tiny bit of background. Um, first, um, this features Mary Magdalene, who if you know scripture and remember um, last time she was released from a number of demons by Jesus and was restored to her formal and and, uh, and normal self. And... Um, she, as you remember from the last clip we saw, she was preparing for, to host her first Shabbat dinner. Shabbat is the Hebrew for Sabbath. And the Jews celebrated Sabbath beginning at dusk on Friday. And so we're going to see where she um, uh, actually hosts that dinner. Um, so let's watch that clip now, and then we'll continue on in our worship service.
3: Mary. Come in. I'm so glad you came.
4: Oh, uh, thank you, Miss Mary. This is a
3: fine place. Oh, thank you. Are we on? Is it still on? Oh, yes, Shula, how did you find us? I followed that mule, Barnaby. <laughs> Not that he waited. Looking as handsome as ever, Barnaby.
0: Lucky
2: guess, Shula. <laughs> is this the place? Mary Mary's here, Do I know you? Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm James. This is Adius. We were told this would be a good place to come. We can leave if it's awkward.
3: Oh, oh, no. Oh please come in. You're most welcome here.
5: So, can we help?
3: Oh, no. Well, uh, yes, I... I don't know what I'm doing.
5: I see
1: food. That's a victory.
3: If I'm not doing something or doing something wrong, you tell oh. me.
4: Oh, nonsense. It's already great.
3: Can't remember the last time I was invited to Shabbat dinner.
4: Me,
0: never.
3: You never been to Shabbat?
4: Of course I've been to one. Been to lots.
0: Just never got invited. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the extra seat for? Well,
3: uh, for Elijah. Am I right? I, I remember. Remember they're always setting an extra place for Elijah. That's only for Passover. Just once a year it's said. Well, when Seder comes, I'll have a head start on setting up. <laughs> 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 Can I read it for you, Mary? Stop it, Barnaby. I read better than you. <laughs> My father taught me.
2: Very impressive.
3: <laughs> uh, oh, uh, is there uh, first sorrow out
0: Yes, let's eat.
4: Like I said, you are very popular.
3: Or it's a Pharisee here to shut us down for letting you be here. Hello, Mary. Hello. No.
4: It's good to see you. Yes,
0: yes. I don't want to be rude, but would it be okay if, if I...
3: Oh, uh, yes, of course. Please come in. I just never thought you'd um. Uh, I have just here. Uh, this is my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. Bye-bye. You already know these men.
4: They are students of mine. I trust they have been polite.
3: Of course. Your guests can take the seat. Yes, Mary? Oh, of course. (laughs) Yes, of course, please have a seat. I keep saying of course a lot. (laughs) Um, Francis is the man I told you about who helped me. Oh. Yes, yeah. Mary told us so much about you.
0: Oh, I hope not too much.
4: I'm Barnaby. This is Shula. She is blind. Ah. Uh-huh.
3: In case you couldn't tell. I'm I'm so sorry. I, I don't actually know your name.
0: I'm Jesus of Nazareth.
3: Well, apparently something good can come from Nazareth. <laughs>
4: Mary, I'm honored to be here. Why don't you begin?
3: Oh, no, I I couldn't now that you are here, you must.
4: Thank you, but this is your home, and I would love for you to do it.
3: Okay. I'll um, I'll just read from this now. Now the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And, and God abstained on the seventh day from all the work he did. And God blessed the seventh day and he hallowed it. For thereon he abstained from all the work that God created to do. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine.
6: You have lovingly
3: and willingly given us You have lovingly and willingly given us your Shabbat as an inheritance in memory of creation. Because this is the first day of our holy assemblies in memory of of the exodus from Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Amen. Amen.
7: Well, it's good to be with you here this morning. For those of you who may be visiting or don't know me, I'm Tim. I'm one of the pastors here uh, through the like, Evangelical Free Church. And we're just glad you're here joining us, whether you're here in person or online. Um, so this is normally the part of the service where we would take our offering. Um, we're not passing a plate during this season, but there, are, there is a plate on your left on your way out if you want to give there. Also, um, this is this is communion. Sunday And so on Communion Sunday, we collect a special benevolence offering to help us meet needs uh, in the community. And so on your way out, there will be someone holding a plate that you can give, if you want to give specifically to um, benevolence um, this week. Also, because it's Communion Sunday, if you didn't grab a uh, little self-wrap communion wafer and cup on your way in, there's some... In the back, um, just outside the doors there, if you want to find a time to sneak out during the service and grab those, we'll take communion together at the end of the service. Let's pray together. Father, we we praise you that you is good to us, that you love us, and as we walk through this, this Advent season leading up to the day we celebrate the coming of your Son. We're reminded as we sang this morning just how long awaited the coming of Jesus was, how long your people waited to see how you would ultimately deal with the problems of sin, death that have plagued all humanity since Adam and Eve first sinned. We pray that you you sent Jesus at just the right time, that in your perfect plan you had so just the right time in mind to send your Son to come live a perfect life and to die on our behalf so that by believing in Him we can be forgiven of our sins, we can look forward to eternity in the new heavens and the new earth with Him and with You, worshiping You. And God, so we we look forward to Christmas and we walk through this season. i pray that you would, you would focus our hearts, You would focus our minds on all that You've done for us. That we wouldn't be distracted by all the other Aspects of this season, but that we would be just continually amazed by what a great Savior Jesus is, that He came for us. God, help us to live in light of that fact. God, for people in our church who this season represents a, a hard time, whether because of health or because of challenging emotions that the holiday season can bring about for some people. God, we pray that you would be with them, that you would give them peace, that you give them comfort, that you would give them a sense of your presence with them during this holiday season for people who are sick, for people who are dealing with chronic pain, for people who are mourning, you would be with them. And for the church throughout the world as they seek to remember the birth of your son. To seek to point people to the significance of Christmas and why we celebrate it. Why well, it's such a big deal, God. pray that you're, you would use your people throughout this world, your churches, your missionaries, to, to make much of your name, to bring glory to your name this Christmas season. God, as we prepare just to continue to worship and to be reminded of what you've done. Just calm our hearts, quiet our minds. And let this time just be a time where we can focus on you, great God you are, what a great Savior, Jesus is. Christ in Jesus' name.
5: says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. His favor, no, and on earth peace to those whom, on whom his favor rests. These verses remind us that the coming of the Savior is a cause for great joy for all people. Today we light the third Advent candle, the candle of joy. This candle represents the joy that we have when we trust in Jesus, knowing that he came to be our Savior.
2: Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. This morning we rejoice that you did not leave us in our sin, but sent your Son to be the Savior of the world. Amen.
6: Now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory, glorious standards. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and he did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is just and fair. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus.
0: Behold the
6: Lamb who bears our sin.
4: He Heed and remember the wounds that heal the death that brings us life. Paid the price to make us one. So we share
7: Can come. We can gather here. We can celebrate both your coming at Christmas and all that you did for us through your death and resurrection. And God to help us to keep both of those things in our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, in the early 2000s, cable companies started doing this thing called digital video compression. Which like allowed them to fit way more channels on the same bandwidth or something. Like I don't understand how TVs work, but that's what it said. Right? And so like, like but the outcome of this is like, there's way more channels now than there used to be. Right? Even on cable, like it used to be like in the like maybe a hundred channels. Now there's I don't know how many thousands of the channels out there. Right? There's just channels everywhere. And like one of the outcomes of this is that there's now all these like super niche Cable channels right like channels that have a super narrow focus So, like nineteen seventy nine ESPN launched and there's a lot of debate about whether like one channel focused solely on sports could gain a wide enough viewing audience like could a channel that have got just the sports exist but nowadays like, like there's like the NFL network like there's MLb network there's NBA networks, there's NHL networks, like there's the golf channel, like, there's the tennis channel, like there's an Olympic channel, like those things come around like once every two years, and there's a channel dedicated to showing Olympic content 24/7, like there's just all these channels that have a very small narrow focus, and like of course one of the one of the challenges these channels face is like how do you fill all that airtime? It's pretty easy for the golf channel to know what to show at, like, when there's a golf tournament happening. If they have the rights to it, or they just show the golf tournament. But, like, but if you're like you're the golf channel, and it's 12:30 a.m. on a Tuesday night during golf off season, like, what in the world do you show? And now, if you're like, if you're sports obsessed enough to be browsing one of these channels at that time, not that I would know anything about that. Like, but if you're sports obsessed enough to be browsing one of those channels at 30 in the morning, like, then you would know that one of the channel's like favorite things to do is to like create lists and just rank stuff and just put them in a TV show. They'll right? dedicate an hour to like the 10 best games or the 10 best matches of all time. Right? Like they'll rank like the 30 best players under 30 or like the 25 best teams of the 1980s. Like are just endless varieties of lists. That these channels like to make and then create shows about them to fill airtime. And so in two thousand twelve the tennis channel ranked the hundred best tennis players of all time. And like and number twelve on that list, the twelfth best tennis player of all time according to the tennis channel with my favorite player growing up, a guy named Andre Agassi. And I thought it goes without saying that if you're gonna be one of the fifteen best players of all time in any sport like You probably put in a lot of work from a young age. Right? But Agassiz was a little bit even more extreme. Like he wrote in his autobiography called Open. He kind of retold his experience as a child. Like from a young age, Agassiz's father, Mike, he was dead set on seeing his son become a great tennis player. Like he was committed to making that happen. Mike decided he was going to find fulfillment and joy in the tennis success of his son. And so from a young age, he started to groom Andre for greatness. Like Mike forced seven-year-old Andre to hit like, over 2,500 balls a day from this machine that Andre called the Dragon. They just like, would fire balls at him hard and then he had to return them back. I think all the while, the father would yell at his son for every missed shot or for not hitting hard enough. This is what Andre writes about a time training with the dragon. He writes, Nothing sends my father into a rage like hitting a ball into the net. He foams at the mouth. My arm feels like it's going to fall off. I want to ask, how much longer pops? But I don't ask. I hit as hard as I can and then slightly harder. So by the time Andre, the teenager, he gets sent off to this tennis-focused boarding school where there's a lot of focus on tennis and very little on school. It's like it's just a hard upbringing. But in 1992, it seems like it finally all pays off. Because In 1992, Andre Agassi wins Wimbledon, which is probably the most prestigious tennis tournament in the world. And so for a father obsessed with seeing his son succeed, like surely this must be the moment he was waiting for. Like this must finally be what brings him joy. And so what was the first thing that Mike said to Andre after the tournament? According to Andre, the first thing his dad said to him was, You had no business losing that fourth set. Like Mike Agassi's dream for his son had come true. Like he was becoming one of tennis's great players. And he still wasn't satisfied. Right, that thing that was supposed to bring him joy and fulfillment instead just left him wanting more. So, like, that's an extreme example. But it's not uncommon for, for parents to want greatness for their child right, and to pin their own personal satisfaction, and joy on their child's success. But, as Mike Agassi exemplified, if we want want nothing more than to see our children succeed, even if they attain it, we'll be left disappointed. We'll be left empty. Trying to find your ultimate joy and fulfillment in your children, or in anything else, will invariably lead you disappointed and unfulfilled. Like can children bring joy and happiness? Like of course. Like my kids bring me joy and happiness all the time. But if like the success of my children becomes the thing that I look to above all else to bring me joy, like I'm setting myself up for disaster. And one father who understood that was Zechariah, as we'll see in today's passage. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. So if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to, to turn there. If not, the verses will be on the screen. So last week we looked at, looked at the birth of John the Baptist, this child that God had miraculously given to Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age. So he was this miracle child. And when we left off last week, God had just restored Zechariah's ability to speak and hear after he had been unable to do those things for the whole length of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So now this week, John, or Zechariah has the ability to speak restored. Him, we're going to see how he uses his regained ability to speak in this passage, and the way he uses his newfound or refound ability to speak is to praise God. Again, this song, Zechariah kind of praise God for the things that God has done to bring Zechariah joy. But what's amazing is like what Zechariah points to in this passage as the thing that brings him joy. Because Zechariah understands that if he looks first and foremost to his son as the source of his joy, he's gonna be disappointed. Like, even though this, this son is the miraculous son of his old age. If that's what he looks to for joy, he's going to be disappointed. And there's an important lesson for all of us in that. Right? A lesson that says that we need to be much more like Zechariah, and far less like Mike Agassiz. Right? Now you might say like, like I don't do that. Like maybe I don't have kids, or like, but I'm not looking for I'm not looking for joy in my kids. So what does this have to do with me? But I think this passage like applies to more than just looking at joy through our children. Like, ultimately, anywhere we look for joy other than Jesus is a problem. And the, 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 the message of this passage is like, the ultimate reason for our joy must be Jesus. Like, trying to find your, your ultimate source of joy in anything other than Jesus, like, whether that's children or anything else, like, if futile and will fail provide lasting joy. Like, so anything we look to for, for joy outside of Jesus, it really is an idol. Like Tim Keller defines idol as anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbed your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you, what only God can give. And joy is one of those things. In 1 Corinthians, Paul commands us, like, therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. So anything that we look to to give us joy besides Jesus is an idol and we're supposed to flee from idolatry. So my hope for this passage as we go through this passage this morning is that we'll be prompted to identify idols in our lives, things that we look to to bring us ultimate joy and then flee from them, turn back to God and look to Jesus as their ultimate source of joy. My hope is we'll examine ourselves. Like we'll we'll see like what 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 absorbed our hearts, What absorbed our imaginations? And we'll flee from those things and turn to Jesus. Like, and like I said, that's not to say that nothing else can bring us joy. All right, but all other sources of joy, whether it's kids or anything else, like must be subservient to and informed by, who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done. And Zechariah models that for us in this passage. If anyone had a reason for joy apart from Jesus, it was Zechariah. And yet when it comes time to sing about the things that bring him joy, look where Zechariah starts. In verse 67, we read, If Father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, this is Zechariah's song, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has. And like, I don't know about you, but if I'm Zechariah in that moment, like I'm going to end that sentence with one of two things. Right? Either because my long-awaited son has been born, or because I can finally speak again. But that's not what Zechariah says. He said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now you might be inclined to think that he's talking about his son when he talks about God coming to redeem and to save and raising up a horn. But it can't be his own son, because Zechariah and Elizabeth are from priestly families. They're from the line of Levi. Not the line of David. So it can't be Zechariah's own son that he's thinking about here. It has to be somebody else. And that somebody else we know is Jesus. So Zechariah starts this song of praise. His primary reason for praising God is that he sent Jesus. Despite all the joyful things that had happened to Zechariah, he starts by praising God for Jesus. And continuing, he goes on to tell us more about this Savior that God is raising up. As he said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. So that's eight verses that Zechariah spends extolling God's greatness for sending a Savior. And now, finally, like towards the end of this, like he kind of sends two little verses talking about his own son. Verses 76 and 77 say, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Like, notice, even here, right, when Zechariah shifts his focus to his own son, it's only to talk about like, what his own son's role is in light of the coming of the Savior. Like, as I read this song, like, the overwhelming impression I get of Zechariah is that he is a man totally in awe of the goodness of God and offering salvation to his people. And the fact that God is giving him a son, as part of that, it's just kind of icing on the cake. But his primary reason for joy is that God is giving him, bringing salvation to his people. He's a man who knows that his ultimate reason for joy is in Jesus and the salvation that he offers. And so, in the rest of our time together, it's going to highlight Five things we see in this passage, five reasons that Zechariah points to for why Jesus is our ultimate source of joy. And the first of those reasons is that he comes. The very first words of Zechariah's song are, I pray be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people. I don't know about you, but for me... As we go through the Christmas season, that there are just so many things that it's easy to take for granted. Partly because the story is just so familiar. But maybe for me, like the easiest thing to take for granted, I guess this most basic fact: that the God came. Despite the fact that ever since Adam and Eve, like every person had rejected Him as the Lord. Despite the fact that nobody had ever, on their own power, wanted anything to do with God. Despite the fact that we all sin. Despite the fact that God had been perfectly right and just to leave us to suffer the consequences of our sin, God didn't leave us. He came. we had done nothing to deserve it, He came. When there was nothing lovable in us, He came. When we had nothing to offer Him, He came. He gave up the glories of heaven. He entered into a sinful, broken, fallen world. He became like us. He suffered with us. He was tempted like us. He came. Not because He had to, but because He loved us. And because He loved us, He desired to make a way for us to be saved. Which brings us to the second reason that Jesus is our ultimate reason for joy, which is that He saves. Zechariah continues his song, he sings, he has come to his people and redeemed them. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, Jesus, the house of his servant David. And not only did he come, but he came to redeem us and to be a horn of salvation for us. And that word, redeem or redemption, like it means to buy back. And the word is used most commonly in. Greek to talk about like buying back a slave out of slavery. Someone could redeem a slave right? they could purchase their freedom by paying that slave's redemption price. and that's what Jesus does for us. The Bible tells us that we're slaves to sin. When we choose to sin, we enslave ourselves to sin. Like when we have no way, no power, no money to purchase our own freedom from that slavery. We are enslaved to sin. And the only way to be freed from the penalty and consequence of sin was if Jesus redeemed us. But that the redemption price that he paid was incredibly steep. It was Jesus' own perfect life. And like Jesus comes Freely and pays that price in order to free us from slavery to sin, in order to redeem us. Jesus came and died to free us from the bondage of sin and give us eternal life. Like that's a reason for joy like far, beyond, far beyond anything this world has to offer. So Jesus is our source of great joy because he comes. Because he saves, and third, because he fulfills. So starting in verse 70, Zechariah sings that Jesus coming Jesus is coming is a fulfillment of what God has said through his prophets long ago. And in verses 72 and 73, Zechariah sings that Jesus came to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our Father. Abraham. Like God didn't just like look down one day and be like, Oh, like things are getting bad down there. I guess I better do something now. Like that's not how it happened, right? The Bible is one big story of how God is at work to save his people from their sin. Like, after he creates everything good, like the, very, the first two chapters of the Bible and the third chapter of the Bible where Adam and Eve sin. And if they reject God, they decide they're better off doing things their own way. So, from that point on, the Bible just becomes one big story of people failing to be obedient to God and God bringing about his plan to save his people. Like, and Zechariah mentions here that it really started with the covenant that God made with Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. And in this covenant, God promises Abraham that he's going to save a people for himself through Abraham and through Abraham's offspring. Like the whole rest of the Old Testament, like most of the Bible it follows Abraham's family, the Israelites. As they show over and over and over again that they're unable to live up to God's standards in their own power. God is continually rescuing the Israelite from their enemy. God sets up a sacrificial system for dealing with their sins. But those those rescues are only temporary. People again fall back into the consequences of their sin. The sacrificial system only worked temporarily. That's why there were sacrifices day after day and year after year. The solutions of the Old Testament are only temporary. But God sends prophets who told God's people that one day God would send a Messiah who would perfectly and eternally fulfill God's covenant with Abraham. And finally, like, on that first Christmas, after thousands of years of waiting, Jesus is born. And by living a perfect life, by making salvation for all of us possible, He fulfills the longed-for promises that God has made. The coming of Jesus is the central event in all of human history. The whole Old Testament waited for and pointed forward to the day that that would happen. That God promised that day was coming. And people waited and waited and waited. And at Christmas, like we said, joyfully celebrate the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the promises that God made. That God did not abandon us. He did not forget us. He did not fail to keep his promises. Jesus comes and He fulfills all that God promised, and because of that, we have joy in His coming. If Jesus had come to fulfill God's promises and to save us from our sins, but He stopped there, that would be great. That would be amazing. But that would be a little bit frustrating because. He left us like, in our own power to then be obedient to Him. That will leave us frustrated. But He didn't do that. He didn't come and save us and then leave us on our own. In verse 74, Zechariah sings that Jesus came to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve Him without fear. It's so not that Jesus gave us joy by coming and saving fulfilling he also gives us joy by enabling us to do what He is called to do. He enables us. So right before He is crucified, his, Jesus' disciples are mourning the fact that He's going to be crucified and die and go away. But Jesus tells them, "It is it for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. So when only trust in Jesus, not only are our sins forgiven, but Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Like I'm, by receiving the Holy Spirit, we become a new creation. Like Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, and gave himself for me. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And while the old self was completely unable to be obedient to God and to serve God, it's the Holy Spirit living in us and making us a new creation. He gives us the ability to serve God. So if you're a, you're a Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus as your only hope of having your sin forgiven, But then God has enabled you to serve Him. He's given you gifts and talents. And through the Holy Spirit, He has given you the ability to use those gifts and those talents for His glory. If we really believe what Jesus did for us, then it should be our our joy to serve Him. We should be joyful that he has enabled us to serve him. But that ability to serve him wouldn't be worth much if there was nothing for us to do. But thankfully, not only does Jesus come and save and fulfill and enable, he also gives us a job to do. He commissions us. So Zechariah says of his son in this passage, "In you, my child... Will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So John is he's given this job to go before the Lord, prepare a way for him. Like he's given a job to advance the kingdom. And like we aren't John the Baptist. Like our job is not the same as his, but Jesus does give us a job to do. Jesus' very last words in the book of Luke are this. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And then in Acts, the very first word, of Jesus and Acts are, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus commissions us. He gives us a job of being part of seeing his kingdom advance throughout the world. It's our job from Jesus to proclaim the good news of Jesus to the people around us. And a lot of times when we think about that commission, we think about telling other people about Jesus, think about evangelism, things like that. It can be daunting. It can be uncomfortable. It can be hard to do. And there's, like, there's a time and a place to think about why that is and talk about why we feel that way about evangelism. But for this morning, like I just want us to be Amazed. Amazed by the fact that the God who spoke the universe into existence invites us to have a role in his plan for the world. The God who spoke trillions of stars into existence doesn't need us, he doesn't need us to achieve his purposes. But because he loves us, because he wants us to be joyful, he invites us to be part of what he's doing in the universe. Like part of what brings joy and meaning to life, like is having a purpose, something you're working toward. And so, like life would be very unsatisfying if God had just said, "All right, you're forgiven of your sins, and now there's nothing for you to do." He didn't do that. He commissions us. He gives us a job to do for our joy. One of the great ironies of the Christmas season is that there are so many ways to try to find joy in things other than Jesus. Whether it's you know material things, or presents, and whatever else, whether it's time with family, whether it's just like the festive nature of the season. There's so many ways to try to find joy other than Jesus. But the truth is, like if we find our joy in any of those things, apart from Jesus, we will be disappointed. Like only Jesus came and gave his life to redeem you from your slavery to sin. Like only Jesus gave up the glories of heaven and sacrificed himself, that you might have eternal joy. But in this season, it can be so easy to forget all that Jesus did, that we might have joy. And we need to remind ourselves of what Jesus did and how he gave his life for our joy. And so in just a minute, we're going to partake in communion the a way to remind ourselves of that. That Jesus came. He entered this broken and fallen, sinful world. He was tempted as we are. He suffered as we do. But he did it all without sin. And He went to the cross and He was crucified on our behalf, having lived a perfect life. But here's what I want us to do before we, before we take communion together. And I want you to give us a few minutes of quiet reflection. And as we have these, these minutes of quiet reflection, I want us to just consider and examine our own hearts to think about like, what am I looking to to give me my ultimate joy? Like, where are you finding joy apart from Jesus? Is it, is it material thing? Is it Career success? Is it? what are bringing you joy? Is it relationships? like what are bringing you joy apart from Jesus? Or maybe like you're not finding joy at all. Like maybe you're just struggling with despair and anger and frustration, and you're just not feeling joyful. Like in either either case, that the Holy Spirit reveal to you like where you're lacking in finding joy in Jesus. I just encourage you, to like, in these silent moments, confess that to God and to repent. And to turn back to God. Turn back to finding your ultimate joy in Jesus. to ask God to help you see Jesus as your greatest joy. Let's pray. Father, we come reminded as we prepare to take this bread and this juice, the life Jesus lived, that apart from all that Jesus did for us, we would have no reason for eternal, ultimate joy. Again, in these next few quiet moments, just help us to see where we're falling short. Help us to turn back to you, Holy Spirit, work in our heart to Reveal sin to us. May we confess it. May we repent. And return to you. Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for this reminder. the sacrifice that Jesus made in giving up the glories of heaven to come to earth. When we didn't deserve it, when we were still your enemies, when we were still in our sin, Jesus came, and he died. His body was broken. His blood poured out so that we could have eternal joy with you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. In this Christmas season, as we prepare to leave, instead of music at the end, we last week recorded some Christmas greeting from some of our church members to all of you, and so we're going to play a few of those on our way out um, today, there's also, if you want to record one of those, we'll show some more next week. And so we'll have the camera set up over in the library. If you want to record a message for the church family, we'll play some more next week. We'll also post some of those on um, our Facebook page to just reach people and help people see each other uh, in more personal way throughout this holiday season. But uh, As we prepare to leave, I just pray that you go filled with the joy that comes from knowing Jesus as Lord, you're dismissed. Merry
0: Christmas,
7: hey church. Merry Christmas from the Byer family. We hope you have a great Christmas season. God
2: bless you. Greetings, church, from the Upler family. Merry Christmas. So glad to see you all, and uh, hope you have a great uh, holidays. Good
6: morning, church. We're here to wish you a merry Christmas from the Dahan family. Merry
0: Christmas. Merry Christmas.
2: Uh, Good morning, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church family. uh, Wishing you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Welches. Merry Christmas!
5: Merry
2: Christmas! We are Jeff and Patty Kirschman, and uh, we love our church. We've been going here about four years, and uh, we want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas. And we're so thankful that um, Jesus Christ was born, and we get to celebrate it every single year. Well, and happy and healthy 2021. Hopefully, this will all be over soon. <laughs> Thank you. Merry Christmas.
5: Merry Christmas, church family. Thank you for all the blessings
4: you bring into my life every
5: Greetings, church family. This is Donna and Doug Russell. And in this Advent season, we are so grateful that we have a Savior. During these difficult days, during a pandemic, we're so thankful for the hope of Christ and the gift of Jesus.
2: Merry Christmas.
5: Hi, I'm Crystal.
2: Hi, I'm JP, and this is Stella, from one of the Trebizowskis. Merry Christmas.
5: Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Good morning and Merry Christmas everyone, I'm Rose Welch, kind
4: of a part-timer here right now, back and forth between Northwest Missouri and here, and I'm really thrilled to be here, and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and a Happy
3: New Year, and God's blessings on all of you. Have a wonderful and blessed
6: Christmas. We're Bill and Lisa Miller, and we just want to wish you a happy and
0: Merry Christmas.
5: And stay well, stay safe, and just
0: find your joy in the Lord and
5: reach out to as many people as you can by cars and phone and um, social distancing and just we love you and and are thankful for you have a Merry Christmas
1: Merry Christmas from the Stewart's we hope that you guys have a great Christmas and a wonderful new year